Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Check us out at thecorner3.net. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another fun installment of the Corner 3 Podcast. We have a huge, awesome guest to have this week. Let's go and get started, of course, by bringing our excellent panel. Returning to us now, a married man first, Mr. Alex Derrickson. Welcome back. Hi, Tim. I'm so, it's so good to hear from you, man. Uh, I'm happy to be back. We're happy to be too. And also, another than Sean Mackey has been holding it down with me the past couple of weeks. Sean, how are you? Good. Good night, Tim. Good, good. So like we said, folks, we have a great guest here, well, the first big guest we had here on the show. We needed some perimeter defense to add to our team here in the corner three. So we didn't think there'd be anyone better to get to know than former NBA star, Kendall Gill. Kendall, welcome to the corner three. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, great. So, right there. so Kendall, uh, first things first, we're going to bring you in here. Uh, just kind of curious, because I know you're doing the Bulls Talk podcast now, and you kind of had mm-hmm. a similar situation in your time in Chicago. You're from the area. You come home. And you get a chance to play for your hometown Bulls a little later in your career. We're seeing Dwayne Wade do that, and he's been awesome for this team. He's done a lot of good things. They're seven and four. Uh, what were your thoughts from what you've seen so far from Dwayne and his transition to come to Chicago after all those years in Miami? Well, the the the, the most prominent thing that I see is that he still has gas left in the tank, and even at thirty four, almost thirty five years old, uh, Dwayne Wade can still take over a game and get it done. You know. Um, he doesn't do it every night, but on certain nights, he can. Uh, you know, maybe they played in Portland last night, and Jimmy Butler threw him a lob from almost half court, and Dwayne Wade went up and, and dunked it with ease. Uh, so that lets me know that the Bulls not only have one finisher in Jimmy Butler, but they have two, uh, which is great for them. And I'm, I'm glad to see that Dwayne can still play. Uh, sometimes you have stars that come to teams and – uh, they're a bit up there in age, and all they really can do is be an influence in the locker room and on the bench for young players. But because Dwayne Wade can still play at a high level, he um, now can do it in the locker room, on the bench, on the court, and on the court. And, you know, young players respect that. So you talked about Jimmy Butler and how big the you know, that's been an awesome tandem for this team. Uh, and Jimmy has had just awesome years so far. You know, it has to be you know in that early MVP candidate talk along with guys like Westbrook and Harden. Obviously, how shocked are you to see this constant year by year improvement from a guy like Butler who just continues to work hard? He's got a gold medal now and has really just stepped up, and become the guy in Chicago. Well, you know, I was I was quite surprised because actually at the end of last year I thought Jimmy had topped out. I didn't think that that he was going to uh, get any better, but he has. Uh, and the one thing that he's done is made a concerted effort to learn how to score better. And, and that concerted effort is him getting to the free throw line. If you look at his free throws uh, attempts, he goes to the line maybe eight, nine times a game now. And uh, as opposed to the, the previous years that he's played, really didn't get there uh, as much as he's doing right now. And, uh, you know, his, his dribbling has become a lot better. His, his understanding of the game is a lot better, and, and also his patience. Uh, last year, sometimes he had the tendency to rush things, but now he is taking his time. He's looking at defenses, um, and, and he's playing both ends as well. He's not only playing on the offensive end, he's playing on the defensive end as well. So last week in the Bulls Talk podcast, there was a discussion about this team. You guys talked about how they play with Rondo, how they play without Rondo, and – if we know Chicago, we know that they seem to have these guys that step up, these bench players that have these big games. There's the Marco Bellinelli game. 
There's a Nate Robinson game. Last night we saw Jerry and Grant step up and take advantage of his uh, yeah. and he was awesome. I mean, I always feel like this is probably bias coming from me because I'm a diehard Notre Dame fan, but I always thought he had an NBA okay. skill set. I always thought that, you know, they, they, he was there. What did you see from last night? Do you think that we could see a little more of this performance from him down the road? Yeah, well, I saw a guy taking advantage of his opportunity. You know, he, he's not so much a pure point guard, which is what the fans here in Chicago thought they were getting when the trade happened with uh, Derrick Rose going to New York and him coming over with uh, Robin Lopez. Uh, you know, they're learning that he's more of a scoring point guard, but he just have, wasn't able. He just didn't have, wasn't given the chance really throughout the preseason and early in the season to really showcase his skills. Well, last night he did that, and, and he looked mighty – he looked very, very good doing it. Um, you know, coming out, I believe he had 18 points and had some steals and uh, hit some big shots when, when he needed to hit them. Uh, and, you know, that's what I always tell young guys in the league. You always have to stay ready. Even if you're not playing at that present time, you have to stay ready because you never know when your number is going to be called because when it's called, that's when you'll have the chance to – make your imprint on the coaches, the coaching staff, the organization, to say, hey, this guy can play. And Grant did that last night. Kendall, Sean here. I um, kind of wanted to ask you a few questions about your career. Um, you played during probably one of the most fun eras in the NBA, um, early, late 90s. You played against some of the greatest that ever played. Um, what was it like playing on that almost cult-like followed Charlotte Hornets team. Oh, it was it was great. Um, you know, actually, <clears throat> I wish that I could have spent my whole career in Charlotte with uh, Larry and Alonzo. You know, being a young player, uh, I left the Charlotte Hornets to go to the Seattle SuperSonics as a free agent. Um, and you know, that's not saying taking anything away from Seattle. I think Seattle is 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 great. I think that they have some of the best fans in the league. By far, I mean, I would rank the Seattle fans top five in, in the league if they still had a team. Uh, they, they really supported their organizations. Uh, and I, but my heart was still in Charlotte when I left. And, you know, I, I, I never should have done that. Um, and, you know, playing with great players like Larry Johnson, Alonzo Mourning, Muggsy Bogues, Dale Curry, all those guys, we, we really had a nice thing going because – Actually, my third year in the league, we went to the second round in the playoffs with the New York Knicks and took them to six games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we knew that the talent was there. Uh, un- unfortunately, you know, our-, our team was broken up. Now, I did have the opportunity to go back to Charlotte um, two years after, two seasons after uh, I went to Seattle. But when I came back, Larry and, and Zoe were still there, but Zoe was then traded to the uh, Miami Heat Um you know, like in, in training camp the, the year that I came back. So that, that broke the whole thing up. And then later on that year, I was traded to uh, the New Jersey Nets for Kenny Anderson. But I can tell you what, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have seen that uh, thing, the 30 for 30 on the Orlando Magic. I believe it's called that magic moment. Uh, yeah. We would have we had something to say about that had, had us three, me, Larry, and Zoe stayed together because I think that we would have been a better team. Wow, I like that. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> uh, so um, you, you were talking about how you, you know you left for Seattle, and uh, uh, you know Seattle fans are just crazy. Um, how do you feel about eventually, you know, the NBA putting another team in Seattle? I mean, I I feel like they just they have a huge fan base, and it just it needs to be done. 
Yeah, it, it needs to be done because th- those fans are so loyal about their basketball. They they come out, they support uh, the the sports uh, world. There is is so great. I mean, with the Seahawks, the Mariners, and then if you bring the Sonics back, uh, that city is going to go crazy. I mean, I don't know how long they've been gone now, but uh, you know that I can't like I don't think of Seattle without a basketball team. You know, I, they they should definitely have one. I know that it was close that the Sacramento Kings were going to go, were going to move to Seattle. Uh, um, but fortunate enough for Sacramento, I think they deserve a team too. So, you know, they were able to stay uh, in Sacramento. But the next team, and I know there's been talk where they say, well, the Clippers could possibly move. Oh, no, I'm sorry, not not the Clippers, but one of the one of the teams could possibly uh, move. Uh, that being New Orleans. Uh, I've heard rumors of that happening earlier this summer, you know, but maybe they may end up in Seattle if they do decide to move, you know, but I, I hope that Seattle gets a team soon. That would be a very fun move. <laughs> yeah, it would be. <laughs> it would be. So, Kendall, it's, it's Alex here. Uh, I want to ask a non-basketball question real fast because I I feel when your name gets brought up around me and, and a handful of my friends, our minds don't go directly towards basketball. They they go towards a a guest appearance a guest appearance that was made in in 1994 on a little <laughs> station called Nickelodeon on a show yeah. called My Brother and Me. So my question uh-huh. is, tell me everything. Well, <clears throat> you know, I I did My Brother and Me, and actually. It was it was a very good experience. Um, you know, I had no idea. You know what? That's that's what a lot of people come up to me and ask. Hey, man, you are my brother and me. You know, I could be walking down the street and some guy will come up to me and say, "You are my brother and me." Years ago, when I was a kid. Um, but the one thing about that is that people did not realize how sick I was during the, the taping of that uh, show, and I was down there for I believe two days taping it, and I can tell you that was the worst I have ever felt. Uh, you know, I used to suffer from this thing called cluster headache syndrome and I was going through an episode at the time that I was taping and, you know, I had to, I had to stop while we were, were taping so that I could take my medicine so that I could, I could feel better. And this happened like three or four times a day when I, when I did that, cause we shot over two days, but it, it but it still was, it was a great experience. Uh, uh my, my sons that, that are 10 and, and seven right now, they have no idea that I was on that show, but one day I'm going to break it out and show it to them. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> it's funny. Cause like that, it's funny. Like that show was only 12 episodes, but they ran it for like three years. Yeah, so they did. They it did. felt like it, it felt like that episode was on all the time. I know, and I, you know, I had no idea the popularity of it. Um, but you know, hey, I'm I'm, I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna cry. At least it gave me a little bit of notoriety. You know, like you said, most <laughs> a lot of people a lot of people know me not as the basketball player, but as as the guy on my brother and me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kendall. Um, I hate, I gotta follow that up, man. That's hard. So, you know, let's talk yeah. a little bit about, um, you know, you, you know, Sean mentioned you played in the nineties, you played with some awesome teams, you played with a lot of great guys and you really played in the time where, yeah, there was like superstars playing together. Um, but you didn't play in this necessarily this era that we see now where we're seeing, you know, Kevin Durant going to Golden State, LeBron joining up D-Wade and those guys in Miami. I actually had a fan question on this one. They want to know what your take is on the super team era, quote unquote. 
Well, you know, listen, you have the right to, to do whatever you want to in free agency. That's why you're a free agent. So you have the option to, to explore different opportunities. But the guys that I played with would never go and try and join a super team. You know, they, they like to stay put. Um, you know, you look at LeBron when he went and joined D-Wade and um, Chris Bosh. Now you look at Kevin Durant. Say, for instance, if Kevin Durant goes and wins a championship with the Golden State Warriors this year, I think it'll have an asterisk by it because they'll say, well, he didn't stay with the team that drafted him and win one. You know, I think that's when when you get into a discussion with guys like Michael Jordan and Magic and Larry Bird, they'll tell you, I never would have done that. You know what those guys say? They say, listen, you come here and play with me and I'll win a championship. And in this day and age, guys now look at the best place where they can win a championship instead of trying to do it on their own. Now, to LeBron's credit, he won a couple championships down in Miami. But to his credit, he went back home and he got it done the right way, you know, which is the way that I always thought that he should have done it. And, and that's why I believe that LeBron James is probably the greatest small forward to ever play in the NBA. I agree. And then while we're comparing eras and everything, too, uh, while we've got, you know, the, the era that you, have, you played in and then, as Tim said, the super team era, the style of the game has kind of changed, too. And there's been a bit of a shift from the late 90s, which has looked as more of a much more physical era, and today's game, which is a bit more of, like, the finesse era. Do you think that's impacting how, like, the game's being played? Like, how, what's your take on the on the shift? Oh, yeah, most most definitely. I mean, it, you know, back then we could hand check you. We could guide you. So, guys, you really had to be a strong player. You really had to have skills on the offensive end, on the offensive end to score. You know, I tell guys all the time, you know, we, they have the comparisons between Kobe and Michael Jordan. You know, guys, barbershop talk, they get into arguments about who is the best. And I always intercede and tell them, listen, we had hand checking rules back then. Michael Jordan averaged over 30 points a game his whole career I don't know how where Kobe is maybe Kobe is 26 27 points a game uh for his whole career and that's without hand checking rules okay so that tells you who the best is right there Michael had a huge wall in front of him with guys beating him up every night okay can you imagine how many points a game Michael Jordan would average now without hand checking rules and, you know, the game was much more physical back then. And, you know, you go back to a guy like, like Steve Nash. Okay, I'll use him as an example. Steve Nash, very, very a great player, okay? But I doubt whether Steve Nash would ever be MVP with hand-checking rules. Okay, once they let the, once they let the uh, hand-checking rules um, go, then that allowed Steve Nash to dribble all over the place, you know, pound the ball and get wherever he wanted to get because you couldn't touch him. Same thing with Steph Curry. Same thing with Kyrie Irving. Those guys are great players. They can handle the basketball. But if you were able to touch them like we did in the 90s, it would be a different story. And, you know, to the league's credit, they wanted to make the game a lot more exciting. They wanted more scoring. So that's why they took those rules out. And, you know, it's worked. Kendall, uh, question. You played on – a bunch of NBA teams over the years, uh, including Seattle and the Hornets, and then later on New Jersey, Chicago, Miami. 
Um, out of all those years, did you have a favorite teammate that you played with? Uh, yeah, the best, well, the, the, the best guy I ever played with was Larry, was Larry Johnson before he, before he hurt his back, he would have gone down as an all time great, you know, six foot seven, 250 pounds. He's super athlete, has skills. He was LeBron and Shaq at the same time. You know, if, if I was going to make a comparison, if you can combine those two, that's what he was because you know, I saw him absolutely destroy Barkley. I saw him destroy Carl uh, Malone, David Robinson, everything, you know, he had. I mean, he had the footwork. He had the touch. He, he had power. He had finesse. He was a total package. But a lot of people didn't get to see him uh, perform at his, op- at, at his best when, when, he could, when he could have gone many, many years. They only got to see it for a short time. But Larry Johnson was the best player I've ever played with. Yeah, I loved Larry, man. He was. Uh, he also had an awesome uh, cameo on Family Matters. So, oh, I mean, he did. He, I, never, he was, I, never, I never saw that. I got to see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> him, 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 and Urkel team up. <laughs> oh, okay. Grandma, he's, a, he's he's actually Grandma Ma in the episode. It's pretty awesome. Is he really? Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, one question. Another question I had. Um, You've been traded, you know, in your career. What was it like to be traded? Uh, well, you know, I, I was only traded uh, one time when I didn't know about it, okay? Uh, I was traded twice in my career. Once uh, once to Seattle when I signed a free agent deal, I, I knew that I was going to be traded because they had to, to trade uh, players to make the money match up. So I knew about that. Um, so that wasn't too big of a surprise to me. What was a surprise to me was when I came back to Charlotte and I was there for a half a season. I was playing great. I was getting triple doubles. I, I was doing, they, they put me at the point guard position. So I, I was really playing out of position, but I, I was playing well. And I can remember the owner, George Sheen, coming up to me and said, Kendall, we wish you had never left the first time. And it's like, you're going to be here for the rest of your career. Three days later, they traded me. <laughs> so, so you know, and I can tell you, I was sitting out on South Beach. We were playing the Miami Heat, and I'm just enjoying myself having dinner with a couple of my friends. And my agent calls me and says, hey, uh, you've been traded. And I was like, what? And I, I, I actually, I didn't even ask who I had been traded to. I just was shocked that he said, you've been traded. And... I was like, no way. I was like, I just got here. I just got back. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then uh, I, I finally came to my senses and then I said, well, who, who have I been traded to? They said the New Jersey Nets. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, I, at least I can live in New York City then. You know, because I'm a, I'm a big metropolitan <laughs> guy. It's either New York, Chicago, L.A., uh, Miami for me, you know, and you put me in any one of those places and I'll be happy. So, uh, I was okay with it, but I was still in shock, you know, because I, I really, I really wanted to stay in Charlotte for the rest of my career. I really wanted to play with Zoe and Larry for, for the next six or seven years. Uh, that didn't happen, you know, because I really wanted to see how good we could be, uh, together. But, you know, unfortunately it didn't happen and, and I had to move on. But, uh, you know, I can tell you what though. 
for the rest of the night, I, I enjoyed myself on South Beach because I knew I wasn't going to play the next night. <laughs> <laughs> we can't blame you there. We definitely cannot in that situation. So just to let, for the, uh, remind listeners, we are listening. This is the Corner 3 Podcast. We are awesomely excited to be joined by Kendall Gill. And I was very rude at the beginning. I forgot to introduce Kendall's Twitter handle. For those who want to follow and teach someone, this Kendall G13. Uh, just like the classic number he wore in the NBA, including that one year you wore that number with your hometown Chicago Bulls. Now, Kendall, you got mm. to go back and play for your hometown team. Like I said earlier, like Dwayne gets to, like Derek got to for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it wasn't the year you guys wanted to have, but you know, you got to you got to share a locker room with Scotty for a little while there. Let's go through that process a little bit. So, your free agent, what was that like when you were like when your Chicago goes on the board? When you know when you when you find out that's an option where you can go back and play with your hometown team. Well, I was very, very excited about it. Okay, um, you know, I could just come off. I had I had a pretty good year with the with the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, but the opportunity with the Chicago Bulls came up, and uh, I had a choice: either stay with with the Timberwolves or go to uh, the Chicago Bulls. And I was intrigued by the triangle offense, which I think is still the best offense in basketball, even though players today can't run it. Um, I was intrigued. I, I, I was intrigued by Scottie Pippen coming back to the Bulls, so I get an opportunity to play with an all-time great. And, and you know, from playing against Scottie, I knew that he played the way that I wanted my teammates to play. Um, they had Eddie Curry, Tyson Chandler, two young studs who I thought were with with veteran leadership were going to come around. Uh, just drafted Kirk Heinrich, and then you had Jalen Rose and uh, Jamal Crawford here. So I, I was like, "This is this is a team that could really do some damage if they if, if we come together right." Okay, unfortunately, that that did not happen, and uh, you know I, I I can blame part of the problem on leadership problems, but uh, you know I, I won't get personal into that. That's something for for us to talk about at the bar then i'll tell you that <laughs> um we make regular trips also, to chicago we can make that happen yeah okay well when you guys come you got to call me but uh and also bill cartwright was the coach here he was my friend you know i played with bill in seattle we we had developed a great friendship and you know i wanted to play for him and uh you know that's why i came here my family was excited to come you know i, I didn't have to to move i could stay in my my house uh so i was very 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 happy to be coming to Chicago. Now, it, it didn't work out uh, the way that I had planned, but, you know, I, I was happy that I did it. Uh, you know, I got an opportunity to wear the, the uniform that I had seen growing up, uh, and my family got to see me play every night. So, so I was uh, I was good with it. Yeah, that, that's super awesome, and I know that was a cool thing. Um, let me ask you about this because, you know, in major sports right now, we're having a lot of issues in ratings, and the NFL is obviously in a ton of problems with that whether that be every reason popular, uh, possible. I really feel like the NBA, you know, I'll just get your opinion here, see if you agree or disagree with me either way. I feel like the NBA has done an awesome job in stepping up and kind of taking that spot. No one's going to take away from the big monster the NFL is, you know, the monopoly it is, but I really feel like the NBA has done an outstanding job promoting their game, getting network television, having major games on TV every night. The opening, I mean, the opening three weeks, there's been great games every night. How do you feel the NBA has really stepped up and taken a little bit of a piece of that cake the NFL has really had with the ratings issues these past few years, this year so far? Well, one thing that they've done, uh, the NBA, I think people appreciate them because they're socially conscious. 
about a lot of things. Uh, you look at the, uh, the way that they took the All-Star game away uh, from North Carolina because they, they would not give the LGBTQ community uh, the rights that most other states have given them. Uh, I think that uh, their community outreach is great. Uh, they're always in the communities. Uh, and I think that their product is good. And, you know, their marketing is great. You know, you have NBA TV that broadcasts the games, and uh, you can see shows every night like Game Time, which which I do from time to time. Uh, and uh, you know, it's constant. It's constant uh, positive messages from the NBA. And then and then they have rivalries. I mean, any, anytime you have uh, a Golden State team. Uh, that has a guy like Steph Curry that's a two-time MVP uh, who is not the hugest guy in the world. He's, he's six foot three. I mean, tall for, for normal standards, but a guy that fans can identify with. He's not Shaq-like size. And then you have LeBron James, who, of course, provides intrigue where, wherever he plays and whenever he plays. Uh, you have those great rivalries, and I think that's what makes the sport great. And, you know, now now you have more intrigue by Kevin Durant moving over to Golden State, and now what is Russell Westbrook going to do? I mean, we were all tuned into that game when OKC played the Golden State Warriors a couple weeks ago. Uh, people wanted to see what w- was going to happen, and, and I think that's why the NBA is so popular now. So, Kendall, uh, when we've had guests on the show in the past and everything, I have asked who's a player that, for whatever team they're a fan of, if they could pick a player, superstars notwithstanding, and put them on their team to bring them to the next level, who would it be? But I want to paint with a broader brush with you, looking over the course of the whole NBA team. Who is a player that you don't think fits in on the roster they're in currently, and where do you think they could probably be a better fit? Hmm. Wow. Actually, I don't think that Derrick Rose fits in with the, the New York Knicks. You know, I think that uh, Derrick is, is still at times when he wants to be one of the best uh, point guards in the league. Uh, he's averaging around 16 points a game right now. But, you know, I think that the triangle offense has taken some of his creativity away, uh, even though I love the triangle offense. Uh, he, he, he's, he's not having the easiest time adapting to it and learning where his strengths are in it. Now, I believe given, him, given time that he'll figure that out. But for right now, he, he seems not lost, but not completely comfortable in that offense. Another thing is that, you know, Derek needs the basketball in his hands in order to be effective. And a lot of the shots now are taken by Carmelo Anthony. Uh, we all know that Carmelo loves to shoot the basketball, and whenever he touches his hands, he's, he's not passing it back. Uh, then you take Porzingis, uh, you know, who's, who I think is one of the brighter young stars in the league. He's going to be a multiple-time all-star. Uh, you have him, and he needs to get the basketball in his hands as well. So I think Derek is, is, is out of place there. He's having a tough time uh, adjusting to it. Uh, you know, maybe – I don't know whether they're going to change the uh, landscape of that team uh, uh, next year or the year uh, or, or this coming off season, but you know I think Derek is out of place with that team. And you mentioned this kind of in passing, and I know Tim's got one question we want to get to, but real real quick, why do teams insist on running the triangle offense? Like you said, like players today can't play it, and it seems like a lot of teams who have tried to implement it have struggled. Why is it still like something that's still being attempted? 
Well, because it's won 11 championships. And because the guy who won 11 championships with it is the president in, of, the, of the team in New York, Phil Jackson. Okay. Now, the triangle offense is, in my opinion, the best offense in basketball because it provides you freedom. The reason the players the reason the players can't run it now is because they're all basically one on one players. You know, they don't understand the team concept. And if you understood the team concept, then you understand all the freedoms that that are, are within the the offense. Um, you know, when I played against the Chicago Bulls and we came to play Michael and Scotty, I was I wanted to play against those guys. You know, because you know I wanted to play against the the best out there. It was the offense I was worried about, okay? The offense is predicated on what the defense does. There's no set thing. Whatever you do, then they're going to they're gonna react to you and do the opposite. And that's exactly why I wanted to come here to Chicago and play in a triangle offense as well. I mean, if the best player that's perhaps the best player that's ever played the game can adapt to it and still lead the league in scoring, how come everybody else that runs it, how come they can't do it? You know, how come the system – and you take Kobe Bryant, who's, who's top ten of all time. How come he was able to run it? How come Shaq was able to run it? Okay? These are the questions that I ask myself when I say, why can't these guys run it? That's so, fair. That is 100% fair. So, Kendall, again, you gave us 30 minutes of your time. You were so gracious. We're so excited that you joined us. The last question we have for you before we let you go, enjoy some time with your family. Uh, I'm sure you're probably still celebrating a Cubs winning World Series this year, so I'm sure you're still having oh, fun yeah. with that. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know that. You are a guy that, you know, we grew up watching. We were fans of the 90s NBA. You're a guy, in my honest opinion, not just sanctioning a show. You got stuff from some All-Star games. Uh, you were the, one of the best yeah, defenders we ever saw. <laughs> what Thank current you. NBA player... Is is the modern day Kendall Gill? Oh, you know, I'd, I'd say I don't know if you're the modern day Kendall Gill, but um, you know, I think guys who have a similar game to me. Uh, I'd say uh, Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, Kawhi Leonard, uh, guys, two way players, um, Clay Thompson. Golden State because I played at both ends. I could play offense and I could play defense. Um, and uh, let's see, and Chris Dunn. Oh, nice. Who's, who, who's yeah? Nice. I like I like Chris Dunn's game. He he plays both ends. He's six five, just like I am, and you know he he can he can really get it done. So you know, hey, and I appreciate you saying that about me being snuffed for all star teams and all defensive teams and things like that because you know that really. Uh, sometimes I think about that a lot, especially when I led the league in steals and set the league record for steals, which I still hold. And, and I didn't make the all defensive team that year. I mean, that that steals. Even when I'm working out, I think about that. And that motivates me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, here at the Kendall three, uh, at the corner of three, Kendall, we only speak the truth. Kendall Gill, you were awesome, giving us a half hour of your time. Thank you so much for joining okay, us. Guys. And before we get you out of here, the floor again, so you can shout out your Twitter account and any other way fans can get in contact with you. Okay, Kendall G13. Uh, that is at Kendall, at Kendall G13. That is my Twitter handle. Uh, and you can check me out on Facebook at Official Kendall Gill. Uh, also on Instagram, Official Kendall Gill. Excellent. Well, hey, man, thank you again. Hope you have a great night. And maybe we can do this soon again. We, we can talk some shops some more. 
Anytime, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Kendall. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Be sure to add us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out our brand new website at thecorner3.net.